peace be upon you. So the Arabic word shuwa, which is often translated as either greedy or stingy or selfish, the root occurs five times in the Quran in four different verses. And those verses are Surah 4 verse 128, Surah 33 verse 19, Surah 59 verse 9, and Surah 64 verse 16. And what we'll see is that each occurrence is for a specific context that's very important. But you'll see the same expression uh, used twice in two of the verses. This is Surah 64 verse 16 and in Surah 59 verse 9 where it reads, Anyone who is protected from his own selfishness, Shuwa, these are the successful ones. So let's first read Surah 64 starting from 14 where it says, O you who believe, your spouses and your children can be your enemies, beware. If you pardon, forget, and forgive, then God is forgiver most merciful. And it continues, says, Your money and your children are a test, and God possesses a great recompense. Therefore, you shall reverence God as much as you can, and listen and obey, and give to charity for your own good. Anyone who is protected from his own selfishness, Shua, these are the successful ones. So the context here is kind of a household. It's talking about a spouse, a children, and the money we earn. So now let's look at Surah 59, verse 9. And the context here are people who immigrated because they were being persecuted. And it reads, As for those who provided them with a home and a refuge, and were believers before them, they love those who immigrated to them, and find no hesitation in their hearts in helping them. In fact, they readily give them priority over themselves, even when they themselves need what they give away. And it states, anyone who is protected from his own selfishness, again, Shoah, these are the successful ones. So now we have a different context here. We have this context of people, again, who are being persecuted and they emigrate, and the ones of the community who they emigrate to, they're embracing them with open arms. They're giving them priority over themselves. And again, God says anyone who is protected from his own selfishness, these are the successful ones. What's interesting here is that it's stating that if they're protected, they're saved from their own selfishness. This indicates that selfishness is a manifestation that we ourselves create. Now, that might seem obvious, but we have to consider, right? Everything God creates is perfect. Anything bad that happens is from our own selves, meaning this concept of selfishness is something that we, in essence, foster, and we have a choice. Do we gravitate towards it or do we abolish it? And we have another example. So we mentioned there's four verses that use this root, Shua. The next one is in Surah 4, verse 128, and it reads, that selfishness is a human trait. So in 4.120, it says, If a woman senses oppression, and the, the Arabic here is in the shoes, or desertion from her husband, the couple shall try to reconcile their differences. For conciliation is best for them. Selfishness is a human trait. And if you do good and lead a righteous life, God is fully cognizant of everything you do. 
So this verse is indicating that selfishness is a human trait. In the literal Arabic, it's something that the self has presented, has brought forth. Meaning God created us perfect. And what we contribute to the equation is our own selfishness. What else is interesting about this verse is this is the shua, right? The selfishness, the greediness that occurs between a husband and the wife. The verse is stating that reconciliation is better than separation. In another verse, in Surah 4, verse 35, it reads, If a couple fears a separation, you shall appoint an arbitrator from his family and an arbitrator from her family. If they decide to reconcile, God will help them get together. God is omniscient, cognizant. So God is encouraging the couple to try to reconcile their differences and stay together. And he's providing a mechanism by which that can be achieved. The last occurrence that we see of this root, Shua, it occurs twice in Surah 33, verse 19. And it reads, also, they are too stingy, or you can say selfish, when dealing with you. If anything threatens the community, you see their eyes rolling with fear as if death had already come to them. Once the crisis is over, they whip you with sharp tongues. They are stingy again, selfish, with their wealth. These are not believers, and consequently, God has nullified their works. This is easy for God to do. From my understanding, the connection between selfishness and stinginess is that they both focus on one's own needs and interests to the exclusion of the needs and interests of others. This tendency to focus on the self at the expense of others is ingrained in day one of life as a human. Even while we're still in the mother's womb, babies are only focused on their own needs, such as food, warmth, comfort, security, and they're not capable of understanding or taking into account the needs and desires of others. As babies grow and develop, they become more aware and they become more conscientious that they're not the only individual on this planet. That sometimes they have to put their own desires, their own interests aside because it's going to impact negatively the desires and interests of others. And this allows us to cooperate and uh, live amongst each other in a society. You know, additionally, to be selfish or stingy, this by its very nature, requires the participation of other individuals involved. And since selfishness is a human trait, this indicates to us that human beings are not designed to be in isolation, that we're designed to be in communities and societies. When someone is in isolation, there is no concept of selfishness. Because there's no one else competing for limited resources, right? There's no one else's attention or consideration that has to be taken uh, to account if you're in isolation. So it's impossible to be selfish or stingy if there's no one else to be selfish or stingy against. Selfishness only occurs when we have to decide our own wants with the wants of others. Therefore, if selfishness is a human trait... Being part of society is also part of being human. This may be part of the reason that God condemns the concept of monoticism uh, or hermitism, people who go live in the wilderness in isolation, uh, remote, uh, away from all of society.
In Surah 57, verse 27, it says, Subsequent to them, we sent our messengers, we sent Jesus, the son of Mary, and we gave him the Injil. And we placed in the hearts of his followers kindness and mercy, but they invented hermetism, which we never decreed for them. All we asked them to do was to uphold the commandments approved by God, but they did not uphold the message as they should have. Consequently, we gave those who believed among them their recompense while many of them were wicked. So God is informing us that, you know, going and being a monk somewhere, isolating yourself from society is actually breaking God's commandments because it's God's design that the human being is a social creature, that we form bonds, we form families, we form tribes, we form nations. Now, this is where it gets interesting. If we look back at the four verses that utilize this root for selfishness, Shua, we see a framework in how we may want to balance our needs with the obligations of others. So in Surah 4, verse 128, where it's talking about the wife who senses uh, Neshu's oppression, desertion from her husband, we see that this is a relationship between a husband and a wife. This is the foundation of the nuclear family, right? The start of community, the start of society is the relationship, the bond between a husband and a wife. And God is informing us that in this relationship, that if it gets to the point where this bond is about to be separated, it's about to be broken, that we put our selfishness in check for the sake of the relationship, that we put the desires, the wants of our spouse over our own if it means that it's going to preserve this bond so we can, God willing, keep the relationship together. The second example in 6415 if we recall, this is the context between a spouse, a child, and the money that that household earns. This is the next sphere after you have the first bond of a husband and wife. And in 6414, it states that our money and our children are a fitna. And this implies that it's a test, a trial that can cause division. As a provider for a family, one has to decide if they prioritize their money order children. This can be understood in two ways. The first is the act of having children, which is a selfless act. If you think about it, this is the most selfless act when done correctly, is bringing another child, another life into this world that you will give priority over your own wants and desires. And when one decides by God's leave to bring a life into this world, they have to make a choice. Did they want to spend their hard-earned money for the sake of of another mouth to feed, or do they want to selfishly keep it for themselves? This is why twice in the Quran, it tells us not to kill our children one time out of fear of poverty and the other time from falling into poverty. And there's a subtle difference here. So in 1731, where it says uh, from fear of poverty, this is someone who is already poor, who is concerned that if they have another mouth to feed, how are they possibly going to be able to afford it if they can barely feed themselves? And God tells us in the verse, it says, we provide for them as well as for you. Meaning that God is the one who's going to provide for your children. It is not you who provides. You are merely just the mechanism by which God can send his blessings to that child because their provisions have already been guaranteed by God. And if we look in 6151, it says, you shall not kill your children from fear of falling into poverty. And now this time it says, we provide for you and for them. 
mean that if you're well off, but you're maybe just barely scraping by, and you're concerned that if you have a child, you will fall into poverty, God is assuring us that he's the one who provides for us as well as for our children. Another interesting point is that when it says do not kill your children, that the word for children in Arabic is the word walad, which constitutes basically that which is begotten, as opposed to say the word beni, which would uh, assume a child that's already alive. And this shows that even when the child is within the womb, that God is saying do not kill your children out of fear of poverty or fear of falling in poverty, that God provides for both. And another way that our money and our children can be a fitna is that we have a choice that after our children are born, we have a choice. Do we spend our time attempting to earn more money, more money into our bank account, more money so we can buy nicer things? Or do we decide that rather than spending that time to earn even more money, I'm going to allocate that time towards my kids to make sure that I'm involved in their life that I'm being a good influence, a good role model, and I'm there to love and support them. So this shows that this is the second time that we have to take our considerations. Are we going to be selfish for our own needs? Or are we going to put the needs of our children, our household, our family above our own personal desires? So we can consider this as the second sphere. So the first sphere was that of the husband and the wife. The second sphere is that of the household, the family, the children. Now we get into the third sphere. In Surah 59, verse 9, it describes a family who hosts refugees and goes so far as to state, in fact, they readily give them priority over themselves, even when they themselves need what they give away. This shows that when a community members are in a dire situation, without food, without shelter, we are to set up and provide for them to the best of our ability. So this is the next sphere, is that of community, our congregation, fellow believers. God calls us that the believers are like one family, that we're like bricks in a wall. That if one believer is in need, other believers, other members of the community, step up to be able to help and support that person. If their alternative is that they're going to be out on the street, homeless, suffering, that we put their needs above our own needs, that we give away the excess in order to be able to help make them into a better situation than they currently are. So this shows that this sphere is growing. Again, we went from the husband and wife, we go to the family with the children, and now we go to the community. And there's one sphere even above that, and that's of the nation. In Surah 33, verse 19, it states that if called up to give money or aid in protecting one's nation, we should not be so short-sighted to only think about ourselves, that we put our stinginess, our selfishness aside in order to be able to do what it takes to make sure that our nation is prosperous, that it does not get overtaken by outsiders who want to destroy our nation. Because if we don't have a nation, then how are we going to protect our communities? And if we don't have community, how are we going to raise our families? And if we don't have that bond of a strong nuclear family, a couple that will bend over backwards to try to stay together, then the whole system collapses. 
That's why it's so important that we maintain these bonds, we maintain these relationships, that when it's necessary, in order to maintain these institutions, that we suppress our own stinginess, our own uh, selfishness, that we do that in order to be able to maintain these structures. You know, when balancing our wants over the wants of these different spheres in a person's life, our marriage, our family, our community, and our nation, it's essential that at the risk of the crumbling of these institutions, we sacrifice however we can for the greater good to keep these structures alive when we are required to do so. So God willing, just to recap, the first occurrence in 4128, it says, If a woman senses oppression or desertion from her husband, the couple shall try to reconcile their differences. For conciliation is best for them. Selfishness is a human trait. And if you do good and lead a righteous life, God is fully cognizant of everything you do. It's interesting that this verse is addressing the woman who senses oppression or desertion. It just happens today, currently in the United States, roughly 70% of all divorces are initiated by the women. And God is giving this forewarning that selfishness is a human trait, that for the sake of retaining a marriage, a couple needs to sacrifice their own personal desires for the sake of keeping that relationship together, because this is the foundation of any community any society, any nation. So the next occurrence of the word Shua occurred in 6416, and this was now in the context of a household dealing with money and children. It reads from uh, 6414, O you who believe, your spouses and your children can be your enemies. Beware. If you pardon, forget, and forgive, then God is forgiver most merciful. Your money and children are a test, and God possesses a great recompense. Therefore, you shall reverence God as much as you can, and listen and obey, and give to charity for your own good. Anyone who is protected from his own selfishness, these are the successful ones. So God is telling us again that in the sake of preserving this family structure, that if we have to choose between our money and our children, that God is saying, choose your children, that God provides for them. Make the time necessary to be a good parent for them. The next occurrence is that of refugees, people in our community who are suffering. And that's in 59.9. It says, as for those who provided them with a home and a refuge and were believers before them, they love those who immigrated to them and find no hesitation in their hearts in helping them. In fact, they readily give them priority over themselves, even when they themselves need what they give away. Anyone who is protected from his own selfishness, these are the successful ones. That again, God is telling us that when the community members need our help, we need to step up. We need to put our own interest aside for the sake of helping people who are in a dire situation. And the last occurrence it occurs in Surah 33 verse 19. And this again is in the context of a nation. It says also, they are too stingy when dealing with you. If anything threatens the community, you see their eyes rolling with fear as if death had already come to them. Once the crisis is over, they whip you with sharp tongues. They are too stingy with their wealth. These are not believers and consequently, God has nullified their works. 
This is easy for God to do. It's our duty as a member of a family to maintain the peace within the family, to maintain the peace within the community, to maintain the peace within the nation. That again, we do what we can in order to preserve these institutions because it's the society, the family, the community that makes us human. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys want to get in touch, please join our Discord server. We have great, lively conversations on a daily basis. You'll find the invite link below. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran study app on the iOS app store. And if you want more information, you can check out the Quran Talk blog or chroniclabs.com where you can find abundance of information on these kinds of topics. And until next time, peace and God bless.